Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. We got a ton to dive into off the top. Four different divisional round playoff games, each of them different in an important narrative way in its own fashion. I'll break down what all that means. What do we learn from the four divisional round playoff games uh, and start to get you ready for the NFC and the AFC championship game. By the way, OutKick will be out in Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona area. I'll be out there for most of the week. We'll have a bunch of content that's coming to you out there from a lot of OutKick employees. So that's in a couple of weeks, just FYI out there. Um, we've got several different reactions um, and uh, also the more classified documents found in Joe Biden. We've got riots in Atlanta led by Antifa, people who are mostly outside of the Atlanta area. Report that Jeff Bezos may be willing to sell the Washington Post in order to buy the Washington Commanders. Uh, All of that and more we will discuss. But let's start with the game that I would say is getting the biggest reaction today. And that is Dallas Cowboys lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Second straight year. Divisional round playoff game this year. It was all there for the taking. Dak Prescott going up against Mr. Irrelevant, rookie quarterback Brock Purdy. And frankly, if Dak just plays average, I think the Dallas Cowboys win this game. Dak's performance in this game was atrocious. And frankly, this is what I've said for a while about Dak and why it's so frustrating in general to look at his performance because at times... He suggests to everybody, I can perform at an elite level. I thought, frankly, he did that on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then he comes out and he lays an egg in this situation. Dallas Cowboys, I believe since 1995, have not been in the championship game. Dak throws for 200 yards uh, and uh, two picks. And those two interceptions were just flat out awful indefensible decision-making by Dak. He could have had more interceptions. You end the season with that disastrous play of Ezekiel Elliott snapping the ball to Dak Prescott. It felt like the Colts' um, fake punt where if there had been an actual uh, execution where the 49ers had aggressively gone after Dak, They could have just put like three people right on the defensive line and destroyed Dak. Instead, they only had one guy and then they had another rushing. Uh, But Zeke just got blown up, totally knocked over. If he had snapped the ball over Dak Prescott's head, it would have immediately gone viral and become a meme that everybody talks about for a long time to come. But it was just emblematic of the Cowboy incompetence. And ultimately, here's where I think the Cowboys are. They just know Dak's not the guy. At some point in time, and I would say I had this decision that I made last year when the Titans lost to the Bengals. They were the number one seed. 
All they had to do was beat the Bengals, and they're in the AFC Championship game, and Ryan Tannehill came out and threw three interceptions. All you had to do was not suck. Dak Prescott comes out, and he just doesn't suck. Then the Cowboys win this game. It's not that uh, the Cowboys had an incredible performance put up against them by the 49ers. All Dak had to do was not turn the ball over, and the Cowboys probably win that game. Instead, he turns the ball over, falls apart. Now, look, I want to say this. Dak is a huge success story. If you had told Dak Prescott, hey, you're going to be a fourth-round pick, you're going to start from the time you're a rookie all the way up to being 30 years old, you're going to make over $100 million, $200 million maybe before all is said and done as the quarterback for the Cowboys. Dak is a huge success. So this is not about calling Dak Prescott a failure because from a career perspective, Dak is one of the 15 or 20 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Maybe even somewhere in that 12 to 16 range when you really break it down. Problem is, it's probably not good enough to win a Super Bowl. And that is the glaring truth that is hanging over the Dallas Cowboys right now. They have a really good offensive line, really talented defense, but ultimately, unless you have a truly elite quarterback, the odds of you winning a Super Bowl are low. Now, he's helped out by the fact that he's in the NFC. But if I'm the Cowboys, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, boy, if we put Aaron Rodgers on this team, heck, if we put Tom Brady on this team, would we be better? The answer is yes. Now, the NFC, not stacked in quarterbacks right now. The Dak salary situation is such that I think it's unlikely anybody's going to trade for him. So I think the Cowboys are stuck with him. But again, every Cowboy fan, I think, in America right now sits around and says, okay, probably not going to win a Super Bowl with Dak. And it's gotten harder to win a Super Bowl because you have to win at least three games probably even to get to the Super Bowl, right? Now that there's only one team that gets a bye, unless you're that one seed, you have to win three games to get to the Super Bowl and then you have to win a Super Bowl game. It's hard to win four straight games in the NFL, period. It's really hard to win three at best, four more likely, against really good quarterbacks. And that's where I think the Cowboy fans are right now. Dak's okay. He's going to get you in the playoffs. He's going to be somewhere around the 15th or 16th best quarterback. He's not good enough. And this is that delicate, difficult ground you find yourself in. Because if you move on from Dak, you take that risk that you might fall off in a big way, right? You might move from top 15 caliber team all the way back down to having to draft in that top five range. And you're sort of stuck in that middle ground, which is really the worst place to be in the NFL. Because if you're in the top 10, you can convince yourself, okay, we can still win a Super Bowl. If you're in the bottom 10, you know that you can't. But if you're in that, you know, uh, 11 to 20 range, you're like, ah, we're not awful. We can get seven or eight wins. Maybe everything goes right and we get 10 or 11. But you also know you're not really going to win a Super Bowl. And I think that's where the Cowboys are. And that's where a lot of teams are. That squishy middle, worst place to be. 
Because you're not drafting high enough probably to get a difference maker at quarterback. You're not awful, but you're not bad enough that you can really sort of flip the roster. And that's where I think the Cowboys are right now. Now, some of you out there are going to say, well, look at the 49ers. Look at what they've done with Brock Purdy. I think that's a credit to Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the three or four best quarterbacks right now in the NFL. We'll see how good Brock Purdy ends up being. Just because you're third string doesn't necessarily mean you stink. And certainly with uh, Kittle and with uh, Debo Samuel and with Christian McCaffrey, you've got big-time playmakers at wide receiver, tight end, and running back. So this is a pretty talented offense in general, very talented defense. I've argued most of this year that I think the 49ers have the most talented roster in the NFL. But also look at who Brock Purdy's beaten. Geno Smith, Dak Prescott. Not really that good of quarterbacks. Now, He's playing at an elite level, and we'll get to the Eagles in a moment. But is Jalen Hurts even that elite? The AFC is stocked with stud young quarterbacks. Maybe in the NFC right now, what we're seeing is the 49ers can get past mediocre quarterbacks with somewhat mediocre talent just based off of where they are in terms of the overall surrounding quarterbacks. But I think the biggest takeaway from the divisional rounds, Dak probably not the guy. Doesn't mean, by the way, he couldn't get hot and string a couple of games together. Just means that four straight wins, I think it's unlikely he's going to pull it off. But I also think you're stuck if you're the Cowboys. Uh, Other game that happened on Sunday. Joe Burrow was unbelievable. Came out on the road in an incredible environment. Uh, Sorry, this was uh, 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 Burrow... I think he started off 9 of 9, if I remember correctly, threw a couple of touchdown passes, outplayed Josh Allen, uh, and did it in an incredible environment, the snow game. The AFC, and this is just big picture here. Burrow now going up against Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, you have to say, are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL now. I really do. And I think Josh Allen's probably the third best. And that could be a tough spot for Josh Allen to find himself in. But he turned the ball over too much this year. So you can argue the three best quarterbacks are in the AFC. And if you consider youth, you can say Justin Herbert's pretty phenomenal. You can talk about Trevor Lawrence. You can talk about Lamar Jackson, that's six. You can talk about Deshaun Watson, who's still pretty young. Uh, You can even talk about Russell Wilson, who was, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer before uh, this year's disaster. That's eight. That's eight really good quarterbacks. Now, that's taken Tua off the table, okay? That's taken whoever the Giants are starting. Titans, Bryce Young may be coming in, taking the Colts off the table, taking the Texans off the table. You're in a tough spot if you're in the AFC right now. And and this is why last year when the Titans lost and choked away with Ryan Tannehill throwing three interceptions, I would say Cowboy fans are kind of where Titan fans were after that performance from uh, from Ryan Tannehill. It's one thing if somebody comes into your stadium and just beats you. It's another thing if your $30 million plus a year quarterback just has an awful game and gives away your chance to win. And I feel the same way about Ryan Tannehill that I do Dak Prescott. At times, he's going to perform at a high level And he's going to make you think, oh, maybe he can win some games for us. But he's not going to win three in a row. He's not going to win four in a row. 
That's where Dak is. That's where I think, frankly, Tua is. That's where Ryan Tannehill is. It's that range of, man, he's not awful. He can have a really good game, throw for 300 yards, four touchdowns, but when push comes to shove, he can't string great games together. And so what do you do? And I feel like there are a lot of people sitting around right now in the AFC kind of throwing up their hands because of all those good young quarterbacks that I just ran you through in the AFC. If you're a Patriots fan, what do you do? Mac Jones isn't the answer. He's nowhere near as good as those other guys. Jets, no quarterback answer. Titans, no quarterback answer. Texans, no quarterback answer. Colts, no answer, right? And you start to look around and you're like, well, that's half of, we'll see whether the Dolphins believe in Tua, but I don't think he's the guy. It's like half the AFC has no real chance. Now, maybe if you're a Steelers fan, you think, hey, maybe Kenny Pickett is the answer. But in general, I just think there are a lot of AFC teams that are totally in a difficult situation because they don't have an elite quarterback. And the way that I saw Joe Burrow play, second straight year of the AFC Championship, fifth straight year from Patrick Mahomes, second straight year from Joe Burrow, every year, crazy stat for you, that Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes have been in the league except for their rookie years, they've made it to the AFC Championship. That's unbelievable, okay? That is an unbelievable stat out there. What's going to change? Yeah, maybe you get lucky and you pull off an upset like we saw Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers do a couple of years. Uh, Maybe a guy gets hurt, frankly, like we've seen Burrow get hurt. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is dinged up because of the injury that he got against the Jags. But the problem is you have to beat multiple of these guys before you even get to the Super Bowl. And look, I'm a Titans season ticket holder. I just ran through all those AFC uh, teams. I feel like you're kind of screwed, honestly. Because even if you hit on all the other positions, if you don't have a stud quarterback, you can't win. And it just kind of defeats the entire purpose. So I told my kids, and they're young, and I hated to talk to them like this, but I was like, hey, after the Titans lost to the Bengals, and then once the A.J. Brown trade happened, I said, you guys may be in college before the Titans have a chance to win a championship again. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be honest. You have to win in your small cycle of opportunity. It's not only about what your team does. It's about the other talent that exists in your particular side of the conference. And the AFC level quarterback dominance, these guys are going to be good until they're 40 plus. There's no reason Patrick Mahomes is not going to be good a decade from now when he's 37. There's no reason that Joe Burrow is not going to be good a decade from now. There are some guys out there that may fade. Okay, we'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson because he's still primarily a running quarterback. But these guys who drop back to pass are just going to get better. And I don't see any reason why they're not going to be dominant for another decade. Now, they'll have to replenish their receivers like we saw happen with Peyton Manning and like we saw happen multiple times with Tom Brady, I just don't see it. I just don't see any reason, frankly, for optimism if you're one of these other teams. Now, the Chiefs outlasted the Jags five straight. We'll see. The big storyline right now is how healthy is Patrick Mahomes going to be. And I'll give you the most recent numbers right now. I'm looking up uh, the the lines um, as it pertains to these games. 
Uh, the Chiefs are a one-and-a-half-point favorite, I'm seeing, and uh, the Eagles are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think both these games are going to be super tight. I think it'll be fun to watch. Speaking of the Eagles, coming into the year, maybe you get lucky, and you didn't know what you were going to get out of your quarterback. Jalen Hurts, the best quarterback in the NFC this year. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Not a crazy argument. I think that's clearly true. This Eagles offense is firing on all cylinders. That was a complete beatdown of the Giants. I got that one wrong. I took the Giants plus the points. We went 3-1 and one overall in our picks. So I hit on the Bengals plus the points, hit on the Jags plus the points, and hit on the 49ers to cover. But this Eagles game was the only one that didn't have any suspense at all. And will we see the Eagles continue to roll and dominate? Nobody thought that Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni and this combo was going to turn this quickly. Uh, And credit to the Eagles. I think you just have to say, maybe you get lucky. Maybe you find that quarterback and he develops in a way that nobody was foreseeing. But when you know that you've got a Dak or frankly, you got a Tua or you got a Ryan Tannehill, and you know that they can't take you to the proverbial next level, you're stuck in that middle ground of the quagmire of mediocrity, which is the worst place to be in the NFL. Eagles got out of it because they put everything together with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was better, frankly, than I think the Eagles thought he was going to be. Has been great with Nick Sirianni. Uh, And so congratulations to the Eagles getting ready. I'll obviously be breaking down a lot. Eagles 49ers and Bengals Chiefs as we get ready for the AFC and the NFC Championship. Uh, Okay, other stories. More classified documents found, this time in an FBI raid uh, of Joe Biden's home. I don't know that it's quite free or fair to call it a raid. Like if it's a scheduled search, is it actually a raid? But the Department of Justice finally went into Joe Biden's home. They said they found classified documents from his time in the Senate and also... Uh, from his time as vice president. What does this mean? What is going on out here that uh, we think is occurring with these Joe Biden documents? Here's what I would argue. Joe Biden's classified document scandal, this is now the fifth different report of them finding classified documents, has not only ended any chances of there being charges brought against Donald Trump, in my opinion, for his own classified document scandal, But in a larger context, I think there's probably a decent chance that it has done two other things. One, Biden might be so incompetent that I think it's going to be hard for there to be charges brought at all against Trump relating certainly to the classified documents, but also to January 6th. In other words, this is such a calamitous event for Joe Biden that I think there is now a good chance that there is no way the Merrick Garland Department of Justice can bring charges against Donald Trump. That's what I believe. I think that Merrick Garland will eventually come out, say that both men have behaved in a manner that could justify charges being brought, but it's basically offsetting penalties, and there are not going to be charges brought against either guy. So that is, I think, the most significant outcome of this ongoing classified document scandal surrounding Joe Biden. And I think a lot of people out there who are middle of the road, not particularly political, just say this 
double classified document scandal is why I don't pay a lot of attention to politics because they're both just corrupt. They're both dirty. Both political parties are nasty. I think that's what's going on uh, as we kind of break down the larger classified document scandal. But I think it's ended, not only on the January 6th side of the equation, but certainly um, on the classified document side that there are going to be any charges brought against Trump. Second most consequential thing, I think Biden's going to have a challenger. I still think Joe Biden's going to run. I don't think the fix is in. But I think somebody, Eric Adams, Joe Manchin, is going to challenge Joe Biden like we saw George H.W. Bush challenged in 1992 by Pat Buchanan. And I think that is going to weaken Joe Biden because it's going to force him to be out doing events, doing debates, and I think it's going to make him look increasingly out of touch, dementia-riddled, and I think many people are going to watch these debates and just say, my goodness, this guy is 82 years old. He's going to win the nomination, I think, but he's going to be severely weakened by the campaign in 23 and into 24. And I think it's smart. Look, if I were advising Eric Adams, I'm just using him as an example, I would say, go, ch- go challenge Joe Biden. You're pretty far down the Democrat Party rankings right now. They think that you are kind of an afterthought. You're behind Kamala. You're behind Newsom. You're behind all the front-rate contenders who are already kind of angling for their president spot in 28. Those guys will certainly run no matter what in 28. Why not elevate your own brand by standing on the stage with the president of the United States? Why do you care if you upset some Democrats by challenging Joe Biden I think you elevate your brand substantially. So I think two consequences from the five classified document scandals now. One, no charges, my new prediction, no charges going to be brought against Trump for any reason. I think Joe Biden has killed those. And two, I think Biden now is going to have a 2024 presidential primary contender, maybe from the left, maybe from the right, maybe it's Joe Manchin, maybe it's Eric Adams, multiple people out there contending. Um, Jeff Bezos. There's a report out there that Jeff Bezos, obviously Amazon founder, that he wants to sell the Washington Post in order to buy the Washington Commanders. I can see this. I think deep down, Jeff Bezos knows that his paper, The Washington Democracy Dies in Darkness Post, has totally whiffed on their coverage of Donald Trump. And I think he's frankly embarrassed by it. I really do. Because I think if you gave him truth serum, he would acknowledge that they got everything wrong on Russia collusion, almost everything wrong on Trump. They were woefully wrong on COVID. And I think he would tell you in the private conversation that he's embarrassed by how his party, uh, sorry, his paper has covered news. And I think he just wants out. I think he just wants out. He realizes now it's a complicating factor for Amazon. And he'd just rather own an NFL franchise and take advantage of the fact that he's super rich. And so Dan Snyder, who I totally understand, is like, screw you. I don't want to sell to the owner of the Washington Post because I feel like I was set up. If I'm Dan Snyder, 
I 100% feel like I was set up by the Washington Post and the way that they have covered me. And I can understand him not wanting to sell to Jeff Bezos because you can make a conspiracy theory argument that Jeff Bezos' newspaper so covered uh, Daniel Snyder unfairly that they forced him to have to sell the team. Now, again, I don't know that I buy it as an intentional move, but it certainly makes sense to me. If you're Dan Snyder, wait a minute, why would I sell to the guy who owns the Washington Post? Also, if you're Jeff Bezos, why do you want to buy the Washington Commanders if you also own the Washington Post? Can you really cover both of those? I can see him just being like, I want out of media. I want to own an NFL team. This is the price. Dan Snyder maybe will go ahead and let me buy uh, the Washington Commanders. And let me float this crazy idea. What if you were Dan Snyder and you're so angry about the way the Washington Post covered you that as part of selling the Washington Commanders, you actually buy the Washington Post from Jeff Bezos? I'm just floating this idea out there. If you're Dan Snyder, and you feel like the Washington Post unfairly covered you for much of this generation, what sort of revenge might it be for you to be able to buy the Washington Post from Jeff Bezos, sell the Washington Commanders to him, and basically flip the script? Maybe Dan Snyder, who's a multi-billionaire, looks around and thinks the media environment is very unfair and wants to put his thumb on the scale of coverage. And maybe Jeff Bezos says, I'm done with being interested in covering the Washington Post. I want to get out of owning a, uh, of owning a newspaper and I want to own the team. What if we had a switch uh, place scenario here? Just tossing it out there. Bezos bought the Washington Post for $250 million. Okay, what if uh, Dan Snyder says, I'll give you $350 million for the Washington Post Effectively, he's using Bezos' own money. You buy the Washington football team for $7 billion. I'll use part of the proceeds that you pay me to buy back the Washington Post. You'll make a tidy little profit on it. I'll get revenge because suddenly I'll be able to own a newspaper and I think the Washington Post is failing and I care about media in America. Just tossing it out there, I love this idea. We'll see whether Dan Snyder might. Two other stories that are out there. Uh, Our boy EJ Radick, uh, he is the NHL Network senior uh, reporter who said that Provorov should go back to Russia and by and large has not said a word since then. He liked a tweet, and I want to share this with you because it's so utterly insane. He liked a tweet where he said, um, that, let me scroll through and find it. Basically, he was the unfair target of the media out there and that they are treating him unfairly and how dare, how dare the right-wing media treat me unfairly based on everything that's going on right now. And I got to tell you, I really find this guy to be thoroughly unlikable. And the comments are amazing every time he tweets as the NHL Network and the NHL 
continue to say absolutely nothing at all. Um, go read the comments. Go let him have it out there. Uh, but he ret- he favorited this. We need to talk about how the far right constantly tries to dox, harass, and scare people into silence. Um, and that's because some guy named Adam Protaw said, I made Fox News and... I've never seen so many faceless, anonymous, follower-challenged Twitter accounts in my life. And most of those folks didn't come out in support of Kaepernick. Hmm, wonder why. Because there's a difference, you imbecile, between supporting someone who decides to make an individual statement in his uniform at work and someone who chooses not to do that. All right? The fact that people can't understand this is crazy. What Provorov is saying is, I just want to play hockey. I don't want to make any political statement at all. Just let me wear my normal uniform and let me play hockey. What Cap did is decide in his uniform at work to make a political statement, and I'll just continue to hammer this home. The only reason left-winger supported Cap was because they are in favor of his left-wing awful politics. This is the truth. If Colin Kaepernick had come out and taken a knee and said, I'm against gay marriage, all of those people would have said, you can't play in the NFL anymore. If Colin Kaepernick would have come out and taken a knee and said, I don't think Roe v. Wade, remember this is before Roe v. Wade was overturned, should be the law of the land, so I'm taking a knee during the anthem, everybody out there would have said, on the left wing. This is unacceptable. Okay? My position is I understand why a business would want someone in a uniform to play a sport just to play a sport in a uniform. There's a difference between actively deciding to insert your political opinion, whatever it is, into the sport, as Kaepernick did, and choosing to say, hey, guys, I just want to play hockey. I don't want to be doing this. But again, This is the play the victim culture. You say something indefensible. Player has an opinion. You tell him to leave the country and go fight in the war against Ukraine and go back to Russia. I'm old enough to remember when telling somebody to go back to their country was a cardinal sin that was unacceptable for anyone to say. Well, EJ Heretic, this loser, said it, and now he's complaining that he's the victim. Keep sharing your opinion with him every time he speaks on social media at all until he acknowledges that he was in the wrong. Finally, there are riots in Atlanta. Riots in Atlanta, not primarily by Atlanta residents. In fact, all six of the Antifa members who were arrested are directly responsible for riots. None of them are from Atlanta, okay? I would just point this out to everyone out there. How much coverage are we actually getting of a police car being burned and a riot taking place in Atlanta? Almost none. Almost no coverage at all. Six people were arrested for this. Five from out of state, one from Decatur, Georgia. Yet the media just pretends it doesn't happen. Same way. Unfortunate. We should never happen. Shooting in L.A., 10 people shot and killed. It's awful. Soon as it becomes clear that the shooter was an Asian man killing Asian people, nobody cares. Only time the race of a shooter matters. 
almost the only time that crime is covered in America at all by MSNBC, by CNN. It's when a white guy does it. Non-white guy commits a crime, vanishes almost overnight. Antifa riots, vanishes almost overnight. Yet we're still having anniversary celebrations for January 6th in this country. Just want to point out, when the narrative overwhelms the truth, many people are taking note. And every single day, more of you are joining me in becoming red-pilled. All right, great show. Appreciate all of you. Thanks for all the support of OutKick. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to be in Vegas Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so we won't have a show, OutKick the show, on Thursday or Friday of this week. Uh, But look forward to hanging out with you guys tomorrow and Wednesday. Now I got to go pick up my kids, and then I've promised them that I'll play them in Madden. They're getting me back into video games because they want to beat dads, but uh, I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick the show.